0: playoff atmosphere benchmark i don't know if those things can apply to to games in april um not often you get through a baseball season and by the end of it you remember what happened on a random day in april but it was a strange four-game series of the White Sox, and even if it wasn't "quote unquote" a playoff feel to it. Uh, it was still a weird, memorable series. I'm Justin Latta. This is Smoke Signals. I'm joined by Spencer Carlson. Spencer, this was a weird series, and it was. It felt at least it's it's one of those series you're going to remember at some point later in the year. Unlike most April series.
1: Yeah, man, it was definitely a weird series. Huh? Adam and tried to have more fisticuffs than the Indians had hits yesterday. But uh, I feel like this will definitely be a series that we will remember probably in September, uh, even with getting no hits, splitting a series with how good of a White Sox team this is. Uh, I still kind of feel OK, especially with the way the pitching staff pitched uh, besides police Yeah,
0: it was a lot of weird things happened. I, OK, one of the weirdest things, uh, and it was starting maybe maybe this is the way Adam Eaton plays now. And Adam Eaton was with the White Sox the first time before he got traded to Washington. I kind of liked him as a player; like he was scrappy. He was, you know, he did a little bit of everything. He had some power. He had some speed. He can get on base. He was an okay defender. And maybe he does this on purpose. But now I feel like he's a player that just tries to get under your skin. Like he he leaned into pitches. I think he had hit by three pitches this series and two in one game. Where he literally just leaned right into it, like he not not just that he did not that he didn't move. Like Brandon Geyer used to be the king of just standing there, letting balls hit him. But Adam Eaton like actively like leaned over the plate and tried to get hit. And then he <laughs> then he tried to fight Andres Jimenez today uh, after he felt like Jimenez moved his hand off the bag for whatever whatever reason. Like what a weird series for that guy. Is that just the kind of player he always was? That I missed that like. What a – he really was kind of annoying and not in a good way. Like, Whit Merrifield is annoying in a good way because he's a good player. But not, not Adam yeah. Eaton.
1: Adam Adam Eaton's just annoying because he's kind of just exactly what he is. He's very annoying. And the first thing I thought when that whole scuffle happened was, man, it is the first inning. You know that video that always says, like, it's 7 a.m.? and, like, people are like, fighting in homeroom in high school. That's how I felt about him. Like, that's how I, like, felt about him fighting in the first inning. Like, dude, we just started the game. Like, you were the second hitter in the bottom of the inning. There's no reason to get all up in a rookie's face playing shortstop because he, what, kind of touched you a little bit? Uh, Yeah, he's kind of a pest, man. Uh, He's been hanging over the plate. Um, There was a couple other things in that series, like – uh, when Robo got hit in the foot, uh, Chicago was chanting the BS chant. That's like, it's not BS. Like the ball, I mean, every replay shows the ball hit him in the He fight. just stood there. Really...
0: He just stood there. I mean,
1: what do you, <laughs> I mean, what do you, <laughs> I can't be a BS call when it's the most obvious call in history of baseball. And then, uh, I just saw a TikTok. I posted on my Twitter. Everybody can go see, uh, where a Chicago fan flipped out because Josh Naylor (laughs) slid in the first base. Slid in the first base. So I don't know what's going on in Chicago. Maybe everybody's just in a bad mood because they live in Chicago and it's cold right now, but it was a wild (laughs) series.
0: (laughs) Oh, boy. start those four. Adam Eaton, though, seems like the kind of guy that would get into into a fight on the bus on the way to school, I feel like.
1: Oh, for sure.
0: Like he'd start a fight with someone on the bus and get to homeroom. He just seems like that. Um.
1: Yeah, he seems like the uh, guy who got in a fight because he he called that seat and you sat in it.
0: <laughs> or it was his seat last night? Yeah. Or he yeah, got the window yeah. seat. Yeah, they split the series. It was super weird. And and to be honest, like it's twelve games. It's not a big deal. It's twelve games. Like obviously, you're not going to read into any kind of samples yet. Uh, but Chicago six and seven, Cleveland seven and five. As, as much as they've played as you probably expected so far like they've had some well-pitched games they've had a couple games where they hit the long ball and that's worked out well but they're 7-5 and five, and I feel like that's fine if they if they can get out of April 500 that's a win to me because you know there's that, that saying is, you can't win the division in April but you can definitely lose it and we've seen this team do right. starts before and I'm not saying they're division contenders because they're probably not but if you want to be a team that's going to hang around it for a playoff spot all year and at least be competitive, you can't lose that. If you cannot lose your season in April. And so far, uh, even through twelve games, they haven't done that. Despite you know what has been some frustrating nights for sure.
1: Right. Um, I think if they could definitely stay around the five to ten games above five hundred mark, that would be awesome. If they were a team that's going to definitely be willing to change. Uh, some parts of the lineup in the future part of this season, I think. Um, and it's been a lot of boom and bust material. I was running through the stats before the podcast. And besides the 11-run game, I believe, versus either Detroit or Kansas City, and then the other nine-run game at the start of the season, they're averaging 2.4 runs and 5.4 hits a game, which is not great. Um, so there's going to be a lot of frustrating nights so far, but somehow they're still 7-5. and five which shows that the pitching staff is still incredible because they're a plus 10 in the run differential somehow, even though they're averaging two runs in most of their games.
0: Yeah, aside from Zach Policeek on Wednesday night, this pitching staff has just been phenomenal every time out, from from starter to to the back end of the bullpen. every Everyone's been good. I mean, I, I was going to save this for later in the podcast, but shoot, like Trevor Steffen's been good. Uh, Phil Maton has barely pitched, but when he has pitched, he's been – Okay. Uh, Nick Wittgren has had a couple of rough outings, and uh, Cal Cronchel has been great. Brian Shaw has been amazing. Uh, and I had to... <laughs> they,
1: can I ask you a question? Yeah. Why is Tito treating him like he's twenty six again? He's like <laughs> this guy can throw eight. This guy can throw eighty times. He's thrown five. He threw either five or six times in twelve games. He's pitched in fifty percent of the games so far.
0: He really has. I'm surprised he didn't pitch today. Yeah, the guy it's it's been 12 games. He has 5 innings already. He's going to end the season with like <laughs> 80 innings pitched.
1: 70. Yeah.
0: He's going to try to set a new record. Oh, Brian, Brian Shaw himself said he wanted to he wanted to set the Indians record for most games pitched out of the bullpen. So the guy wants to be out there give him that.
1: He's going to have it done by June.
0: I know. I know. He's going to be throwing 91 in June though if that's the case, <laughs> uh, but, he, but he's been good. I mean, they, uh, everything he's done so far is justified their decision. He is, you got to give the guy credit. I mean, he went, he was out of, not out of baseball, but he was off the Mariners roster. Like he went from Colorado in that $24 million contract. They gave him uh, to Seattle. And he was pitching at their alternate site last year because he was so bad and he redid everything. He, he changed his workouts. He changes routines. He changes delivery. Um, there was a, a pitcher, a pitching coach in, in Seattle, Max Weiner, who used to be an Indians intern who he worked with. Uh, but he's, I mean, he, everything's legit. He's literally throwing 95, 96 pound hour cutters again. Like it, it's, it's yeah. not smoking beers. You know, he's not, he's not getting by with, with luck. He's throwing the ball as well as he ever has to be honest.
1: Yeah. I've uh, been very impressed and very wrong about him couple months ago but can i just say that how weird he looks with a beard
0: the beard does look weird you're right but it, you're right he was when he was here he was always clean shaven but he did say he has a kid now and he doesn't have time to shave so we'll give him that
1: yeah that's what it is my
0: uh i, I don't know if anybody else knows this my girlfriend pointed this out i don't know how she i think she found it on a reddit for the other day uh he has a tattoo on his back that says shaw it's like straight down the spine of his back and i'm like okay he's got his, his last name tattooed on his back like just in case someone forgot his
1: last name or he forgot yeah, he, he forgot he forgot to bring his wallet to somewhere. Look <laughs> well, this is I'm like... gonna right <laughs> turn around. This is my this is my <laughs> I'm Brian Shaw. I have a tattoo. Do you know who
0: I am? He's not Joe Smith. <laughs> <laughs> He's not Joe <Joseph>. Smith. <laughs> uh, speaking of other weird things, this this White Stock series, this is why I think it's gonna be memorable. So so many things are gonna are gonna be memorable. It was such a weird series. Like Okay, Monday night was the walk-off error where Yu Chang threw a ball to second base on a grounder trying to start a double play that hit the runner in the, in the back and that rolled into left field, and that was the end of the game. That's super weird. That doesn't happen very often, right? Um, right. You have a game on Tuesday where Shane Bieber pitched his ass off, and he still managed to get the win, even though his team didn't score a run until the 10th inning. That's pretty rare. And then, of course, you had a no-hitter where the perfect game was broken up in the ninth by a hit-by-pitch. That doesn't happen. I think that's happened. I think someone tweeted this out. And I forget who. I apologize. It's probably Sarah Langs, just someone really really talented who's good at researching these things. Um, that's happened like four times ever where a perfect game has been broken up by a hit-by-pitch. Uh, and, <laughs> and then today, on Thursday, as we're recording this, uh, the Indians played it at, at, at 2 o'clock. Um, Cleveland finally won a game. They had eight hits and they got their third run by hitting the ball. They only hit one ball out of the infield that that inning where they scored that third run, which was uh, essentially the game winner. And one of those balls was Jake Bowers' base hit. And Jake Bowers had two hits. So what's weirder, Spencer, that the Indians lost on a walk-off error on a ball that hit a guy in the back running? Uh, A game where their pitcher won the game by pitching nine innings, but the team didn't score to the 10th. The no-hitter that was that had a perfect game and broken up by hit by fish? Or the game where Jake Bowers got two hits? What's weirder?
1: I don't know. I think the White Sox have had, like, 20 no-hitters in their career. So, definitely Jake Bowers getting two hits is the most rare. They had one last year. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I'm going to go with the Jake Bowers getting two hits.
0: That is weird. That is weird. Jake Bowers hit the ball. Well, he had one good hit today. The other one was kind of a blooper. But, uh Good for, I mean, the Indians needed it. Good for him, I guess. Like, he, he's gotten a little unlucky this year. I know what the I know the expected stats say he's gotten extremely unlucky, but I will say I think some of those are kind of skewed so far because he just has so few plate appearances. Like, his uh, expected batting average is, that, is down to 231. It's obviously gone up after today, but like, he hit the ball hard, but everyone's hit the ball hard. Like,
1: exit velocity yeah, around baseball is still, still up. Like, that still doesn't mean anything when the team batting average was 198. Like you can be unlucky, but you can also still be bad. Like there's two. I, I don't think you can always just correlate. It's like very can be very unlucky, but also still be bad. And that's how I feel. Like yeah, Jacob Bowers was unfortunate in those four at bats. I still think he's a bad baseball player.
0: <laughs> I mean, to be fair, a lot of a lot of players on in the Indians are hitting below what their expected stats are, and who knows if those are going to correct themselves or not because. Um, it might take a while. There's definitely something going on with the baseball. Like all the all the researchers out there, Meredith Wills and you know Saris and uh um, right. RJ Anderson have all been studying the ball and looking at the differences and everyone's saying there's more drag, uh the ball's bouncier, that the laces are bigger and, and the ball's getting hit harder, which is why X velocity is up across baseball. So those expected stats might end up being complete crap at the end of the year because
1: yeah, they're based. I mean, on, that is—it's already a weird stat because if x-velocity is up, but batting average is way down. That doesn't really correlate with each other. And there's a right, lot of teams. Yeah. There's a lot of teams with some very bad hitting right now, league-wide. It's not just Indians. Like, there's a lot of teams not hitting well.
0: That's true. That's true. Somehow they're only 29th in offense. I think the Cubs are below them, which. Holy crap! Yeah, if the Cubs are hitting uh, worse
1: than us, then man, I would need some medicine to take.
0: They, I think, what I, what did I text you today, the they have like forty-two hits through ten games. Yeah, they have fifty-nine now. Oh, jeez! Yeah, they're, they're,
1: they're hitting a buck sixty.
0: Ooh, that's bad. So, so somewhere out there, there is an offense worse than Cleveland's. I don't know how that's possible, but
1: two teams, uh, two teams have uh, met in the World Series five years ago.
0: I don't even know what their record is. I have, should, I go even, should I even bother looking at what their record I bet is? The you, White so, Sox, I think
1: they're only one game under 500 somehow.
0: They're 5-7. and seven. I don't know if they played today or not. They're 5-7 and seven coming into Thursday. So that's crazy. Um, also, I wanted to address this real quick, too, because we talked about the walk-off error that cost the Indians the game on Monday. Um, if you're tweeting at – first of all, if you're tweeting at any athlete, I don't care if they make a million dollars or half a million dollars or however much you are wasting your time tweeting or messaging an athlete on any social media platform because they lost a game for the team. Like, of course the, the player feels bad, but why, why are you saying that to them? Like, what, 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 what is going on? Like, how bored are you? You feel like you have to tweet at a player or message a player on social media to tell them, Hey, you cost my, uh, my favorite team the game. Okay. Great. I'm sure the player is is feels worse than you because they're the one actually on the team who made the bad play. (laughs) Excuse me. Second of all, if you're bringing race into it, fuck you. Like don't don't bring race into this shit. Like there's nothing in the world that can that could be any anything could happen that you need to bring someone's race into it for anything, let alone a baseball game. Like you've really. Got to be messed up in the head if you're going to be messaging anybody. Like, who was that Ohio State player uh, who missed a had missed a shot in the tournament or something that cost Ohio State the game? Uh,
1: EJ was, Lytle.
0: Yeah, I mean that guy was getting death threats over over that. Like, get a freaking life. If you're going to do that to a college kid, and if you're going to be racist towards anybody over a sport or anything in general, get a life. Get get help. Like, seriously, that's that's not even.
1: Yeah, so, and if, my feeling, uh, I mean, if if you were predominantly going to be racist about professional athletes, and you have the, basically what I would call being, and going to do it in DMs <laughs> instead of doing it inside of a comment for everyone to see, so they can call you out for it, you're even a bigger wuss than you would just be putting it in someone's comments, because nobody could see it. Actually, shout out to you, Chang for pointing that guy specifically out, so we all know that he is a huge piece of garbage, is what he is. And then the guy immediately goes private and then deletes all of his social media, so like a wimp that he is. And there's just no right. spot in the sport for it. And if you're going to be willing to send a message like that, you should be willing to have everybody come and give you backlash, not go hide in your mom's basement.
0: Yeah, I, there's, no reason, there's no reason for it in life, let alone sports. And Yeah, you've seriously... Need to reevaluate your life if you're doing that. Like I just, you not believe- doing-
1: oh, I mean, there's one thing. There is very. I mean, there's no spot for it. But there's one thing with being racist. There's one thing with being racist and private. Like just being like, I'm gonna actually just send a DM because I don't want actually want anyone to actually know that I'm racist. I'm very, very like happy that Chang just like pointed this human being out or these human beings out because now they, they, like we know who those people are.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad he had the courage to do it, for sure. Um, nobody deserves that, certainly not you, Shank. He seems like a good dude. Yep. He was always a good dude in the county. Um, and, and just because he made an error, there's, like, nothing to say, like, oh, well. It's April. Know. Right, and he's playing out of position. It's not like he's a long-term first baseman, and, and that's where he's always been. Like, And that that's the issue. Anyway, like, he, he made a great play in the sixth inning of that game where he started yeah. to double play. I mean, to be, honest with you, to
1: be honest with you, like, it's not a smart play to go to second base there, and I, I personally tweeted that. I was over it in three seconds. Like, I went to bed, and it's like, hey, you know, he was out of position, and he made the wrong read. That happens all the time. Like, if a guy throws interception, am I going to be, like, in his DMs the next day? That's just not how this works.
0: Right. And, and someone tweeted to me, too, he should be learning this in triple A. There is no AAA right now. It's the alternate site. They're playing exhibition games, but your alternative is Jake Bowers 100% of the time at first base, which maybe it should be anyway.
1: Considering considering that we're talking about that real quick and it is on topic, can we talk about how Yu Chang making an air cost for all Indians fans to correlate it to Bobby Bradley being called up because he's a defensive specimen? Oh!
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I saw. I saw too many tweets. They were like, oh, well, another reason why Bobby Bradley should be at first base. Did you, did (laughs) you,
1: did you see my tweet that said, Bobby Bradley will not make this opening day roster due to defensive limitations. And then I, and then I screenshotted everyone that said, well, this is why Bobby Bradley should be up right now.
0: Oh yes. Because Bobby Bradley, who who's carrying tool is his glove at first base (laughs) is exactly an error is exactly why he should be called. I mean, should he be up anyway? Yes, probably, but it's certainly not due to his luck Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh
1: my god! If you're gonna make, if you're gonna make a a logical baseball argument, ju- and this is what we talked about a couple weeks ago, you know, we're, you and I are not like trying to pretend like we're smarter than everybody else. We've had some terrible baseball takes ourselves, but good lord, like Bobby Bradley is not a defensive first baseman, and Yu Chang is not the reason for making an error <laughs> for Bobby Bradley to be called up.
0: Right. Uh... And, and while we're on that subject, um, let's, let's, I was, let's, I'm out of order where things I wanted to talk about already, because this is how it usually goes with us, <laughs> but <laughs> Bobby Bradley and Daniel Johnson subsequently are not at the alternate site because Cleveland is manipulating their service time. Okay. Bobby Bradley and Daniel Johnson are both 25 years old. They've already been in the majors for a little bit of time anyway. So, that would mean that Cleveland's holding, holding down a pair of rookies who have one at-bat and like 40 at-bats that are 25 years old to get their age 33 season under control. No, I'm sorry. A first baseman who strikes out 35% of the time, maybe 40% of the time, and an outfielder who might be a platoon bat, nobody is holding down those players due to service time. You, you hold Francisco Lindor's down because of service time. Chris Bryant, you Mike hold Ryan. down guys that are, Mike, yeah, guys that are $200, 300000000 million players. Those are the guys, You are, Wander Franco, those are guys you're putting in AAA for until eight, until late April, early May, or until June because of service time. And if, if it was due to service time, if they thought they were that good, they would just hold them yeah. down until June.
1: For what are, Super two yeah, stats. what are we going to do when we need to re sign 32 year old Bobby Bradley? <laughs>
0: Right, yeah, or 32-year-old Daniel Johnson. Hey, yeah, exactly. That
1: kid just can't just can't afford him, Justin.
0: Yeah, those guys, there's a good chance that Daniel Johnson, Bobby Bradley aren't even in Cleveland by the age of 30. Not because they they played their way out of Cleveland, because they might just play their way out of being a regular player. Like they're but I think Daniel Johnson has a chance to be a nice major leaguer as far as like playing in the outfield. Can be a decent defender. Can hit a little bit. Like he's probably a platoon player. Bobby Bradley, I have less confidence about sticking, just because it's a it's a boomer bust profile. But there's a good chance both those guys by age 30 play their way off this roster because they're just not good enough. They're not holding. Like they're not they're not your top prospects. They're not your number one or number two overall prospect. These guys they're, are they're low,
1: they're bottom up. of the roster guys on any major league roster that are could be could They're like the could what have been pieces that are like, yeah, this guy could be good or he could be bad, but it's definitely not due to service manipulation. Cause I don't think the Indians are worrying about what their contract looks like at 32 years old.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, no one cares. And, and they might be non-tenor before them. Look at Tyler Naquin. Tyler Naquin got non-tenor at the age of 30 and now he's having a, a great April or a great half April so far, but he was, not not healthy and played his way off Cleveland's roster.
1: So, Dolan Dolan strike again. Couldn't afford that
0: extra couple uh,
1: <laughs> couple hundred extra thousand. Got, yeah.
0: <laughs> They're paying Ben Gamble one point five million, so they don't have to pay Tyler Naquin one point five million. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's another, that's another great take of Float. I'm gonna bring that up. Uh, oh, I'm gonna
1: bring that up all year.
0: You should bring it up when Tyler Naquin is DFA'd from the Reds in like June. That's when you should bring it up. Um, so yeah, Bobby Bradley and Daniel Johnson, should they both be up? Um, I don't know if they should both be up. Like, that's the thing here. Like if you're going to play Jake Bowers at first, but I, I okay. If, if you're going to play a med Rosario in center field, let me restart that. If you're going to play a med Rosario in center field and Ben Gamble at this point looks like, I know he played on, what did he play Wednesday? Did he, did he play Wednesday? Uh, and then no. He was in the game anyway. Okay. But if your plan eventually is to play Ahmed Rosario in center field most nights and Jordan Lupo against left-handers, there's not really a role for Ben Gamble, which is good. Like, Ben Gamble is at this point has already, already – you know, it's April 15th, and Ben Gamble has already been pretty much a defensive replacement at this point because Ahmed Rosario started today, Thursday, against the right-hander.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Where Gamble had been starting. If if that has been Gamble's role in this roster, that's not where Daniel Johnson should be. Daniel Johnson should not be in Cleveland on on the bench as a defensive replacement playing once a week. Like, that's that's not his role. If he was going to be up here, he's got to play like at least four games a week. You can't have him up here sitting as much as I want to see him play. Bobby Bradley, on the other hand, um, you know, obviously probably a better fit than Jake Bowers at this point. So, yeah, Bobby Bradley probably should be up over yeah. Daniel Johnson because Daniel Johnson shouldn't be sitting on the bench. My only question now is, you know, Jay Powers had two hits today. So we joked that what he's going to, the two hits today, probably keep him around till like July instead of June.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I, I, we talked about this off air. Like I think last week, I think Ben Gamble by the end of April might be off the roster just because if he's not going to play, and you're going to have Rosario and Luplos put time in center field. Maybe, you know, maybe Ben Gamble's off the roster soon, and I don't know who but I don't know who fills his role. Like, do you bring up – would you rather see Bradley Zimmer as a defensive replacement and, and guy who's playing twice a week than, than Ben Gamble?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're going to give a whole year of 86 at-bats to Daniel Johnson, I'd rather just give it to Bradley Zimmer. Not that I think – Bradley Zimmer can produce anymore. Maybe he can. I mean, there's always that weird fascination with him that I kind of have that he could still be that first-round draft pick. But, I mean, maybe I'm just blowing smoke. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I know we said coming in through spring training that we said, you know, Ben Gamble and Jake Bowers would be like a June 1st type of ordeal. Uh, I mean, I also thought those guys would be hitting at least 200, you know, or 230 and then we'd have to make a decision there. I mean, they're barely – I mean, one's not hitting at all. One has not had a single hit, and the other one's hitting a buck. So, like, I think that decision gets rapidly changed. Like, you can't have two guys, like, have 11 hits and 120 at-bats going into, like, May. You're going to have to make a decision there pretty quickly. So, I think it happens rather sooner than later with both of them.
0: Yeah, I, I have a feeling we're going to get a better look at – a longer look at at Jake Bowers. I don't, I don't think Ben Gamble is going to be around all that much longer. I mean, it's weird to see him as a defensive replacement. Like it's it's such a, a pointless roster spot, which to that effect, like it's fine. Like, I don't want to see, I don't think it makes sense to, to lead him off against right-handers when he plays center field, obviously, but if he's just not going to play and he's going to be a defensive replacement, you know, whatever. You don't care about the guy not getting the bats because you just want him out there because you don't want him at Rosario playing center field in a, in a one run game in the eighth inning, which I get that. And I'm not saying that justifies Ben Gamble's roster spot, but, you know. Right. It's like I said, it's, it's pointless to have Daniel Johnson sit on the bench in that role. I don't know. I mean, I would say it's probably pointless to have Bradley Zimmer sit on the bench and play that role too. But Bradley Zimmer's also. Fast 28. And fast. Well, he's, but he's 28. Like, even if he's up on the on the bench not playing, and he's he's a defensive replacement who's playing once a week, like, whatever. If he's 28 years old. Do, yeah, do also, something. I mean,
1: even ready. if he's a defensive replacement pinch hitter, he's also a pinch runner. He's Like I said, he's fast, so he has some value there, you know, a lot more than what Gamble is already giving, and he's a better defender.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, they, may, they may not want to waste the Zimmer sitting on the bench, like you said, for 86 plate appearances, but I'd rather see it be Zimmer than, than Ben Gamble at this point. I, I didn't want to get like deep into this whole thing, but I really wanted to just point out. My, that- my one quick
1: thing on the whole Gamble Bowers, I think Gamble's done pretty soon because he's a defensive replacement. But um, I don't really think that – I mean, I understand. I know we said this in our group chat, but I don't necessarily see why you, you do need to get a long look because someone's specifically out of options and you still kind of see what you want and what you got. I mean, there's just those times you're like, hey, we move on. This trade wasn't our best one. You know, we're going to see what else we have in Bobby Bradley. I think you just go with that rather sooner than later. I don't think you just say, hey, let's give it the 400 at-bats. Because I think – I really do think this team already knows what they have in him. And I know specifically Tito knows what he has in him. I mean, Tito's over it. Uh, from Everything I've heard from Zach Meisel, Tito was not a big fan of Bowers even going into this season. And he thinks Bradley should have been on the roster. So I don't know why we just keep elongating it. Um,
0: that's that's the hilarious thing too. Is everyone's like, "Oh, Tito wants his veterans." Like, you know, he took Bobby, he took Jake Bowers over Bobby Bradley. Like, <laughs> a no, two, they're the same age, and, right. and Jake Bowers has one more season of experience. Like, right. It, not, not again. Not the right argument for the for what you're trying to frame here.
1: Right, and it, well, that's what is my thing. Is it's like and where I was like, hey, Bowers is, well, you know, he's had 745 plate appearances or at-bats or whatever. You know what you got at him, and it seems to be getting worse, and, like, pitchers in the major leagues have figured him out. And I don't think Bobby Bradley's going to be a great major league player either, but he's also had 45 at-bats. So I'm rather to give him the benefit of the doubt than the guy I already know who stinks.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's the other thing about this too is, look, everyone's clamoring for Daniel Johnson, they're claiming for Bobby Bradley. Well, as long as Josh Naylor's in right field, there's no room for for uh for Daniel Johnson. Like, if you want a platoon if you want to platoon Rosario and Johnson in center field, I'm all for it. But Jordan Luplo is still on this team. And I know people I don't I don't understand this thing I've seen this on Twitter. There's a lot of Jordan Luplo hate out there. Why Makes no sense. Why do people hate I don't get it. Like people are like, oh I want an everyday starting center fielder. like Great. I want Grady Sizemore back, too. But the way the team is currently constructed, Jordan Luplo is a, is a fine option. Like Jordan way, Luplo and,
1: I mean, is the fourth best hitter against left-handed pitching in all of Major League Baseball in the last four seasons. Like, every right. team – I'm telling you right now, every team, if the Indians were to get rid of Jordan Luplo, wants Jordan Luplo. I'm telling you that. Like, he's the fourth best hitter against left-handed pitching. He destroys it. So, if he were to get off – Yeah, run, like 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 – The
0: Mets have a good outfield. Yeah. But the Mets would platoon him with like, you know, Dominic Smith or Brandon Nimmo. Like even teams with good outfields would still have Jordan Luplo as their fourth outfielder because he hammers lefties. Yep. Like there's a lot there's not a lot of teams out there that would that would put him in the minors. Like is he an everyday starter for anybody? No, probably not. But I'm guaranteeing if the Indians got rid of him, he'd be on another team tomorrow, which is I don't understand. yeah, it'd be, yeah. Great to, it'd be great to it great have Michael Conforto or, or or Mike Trout. But like, if you don't have that option, if you don't have someone that those good, those are the
1: same. Those are the same guys when Jordan Lupulo is batting in the two hole in front of Trout on a platoon, and he gets a homer. It's like, wow, can't believe we got rid of that guy. No, you're you're specifically <laughs> right. the one who wanted to get rid of him.
0: That's exactly what it is. You're right, exactly. So I, I just don't understand the Jordan Lupulo hate. But my point was. If you have Lupo, if you have Rosario, and you have Naylor in right field, there's no room for Daniel Johnson anyway. Um, and like I said, as long as Naylor's in right, but even if they were to make room for Daniel Johnson, they were to make room for if they were to call Bobby Brad and get rid of J. Powers, the season's not saved. It's not like tomorrow they're going to start averaging six runs a game. Like two rookies, I I, and I understand the point is maybe they're both better options. Like yes, if you're going to do a strict platoon of, of Rosario and and Luplo, in, or Rosario, and Daniel Johnson in center field, and Bobby Bradley at first, yes, both those guys have more upside than the guys they're replacing, but the season's not safe. The offense isn't magically going to go out there and be one of the best in baseball. Like The offense is probably going to be just as bad. You're just hoping by the end of the year you feel like you have an answer on whether or not those two guys are part of their future or they're not. Right. That's all you're really looking at. So right. people would think that all of a sudden I, – I, I feel like – that's the, maybe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe maybe I'm reading really too much into this because it's Twitter and Twitter drives everybody crazy. Um But I I really get the sense some people feel like the offense is a, is suddenly going to get better because those two are in the lineup. Am I wrong? Does it feel that way?
1: Uh, yeah, they might think that. I mean, we've had people who I are... know you
0: saying in general.
1: Uh. There is even predominant people who I won't name names who, you know, when like Oscar Mercado was hitting better, they're like, oh, this team is saved. He's going to have a five war. I don't necessarily know if they actually do believe that. If they do believe that, they're insane. But I think I'm more of – I want to get a look of someone who I haven't seen yet to see if they have potential more than the – basically the guys who I think are not good and never will be good. That's where I'm at. And then like Twitter, I don't know what they think personally. I I think they think that every rookie who has potential down in the minors – end up showing it up in the majors, but don't realize that they actually do have their flaws, which is the reason that they're not called up in the first place.
0: Right, like... I don't know, it's just, those guys are not going to be saving anybody's team. And again, that was my whole point. If If you bring them up, you're just hoping that by the end of the year, you have an idea of whether or not they're part of your future. That's all you want. You yeah. don't want to come up and and expect them to change your whole offense. Like again, it's it's the same thing. We're not talking about guys that are top prospects. We're talking about guys that have, like you said, have shown potential in the minors, might be able to fill a role here for a short amount of time and make your team better possibly in the short term. But we're not talking about season changing things here. We're not talking about an offense that's going to all of a sudden compete for a division title. Like this team is going to struggle offensively. With Jake Bowers and Ben Gamble, and they're going to struggle offensively with Daniel Johnson, Bobby Bradley.
1: Yeah, it's we just, also need. It's to, just about. We also need to, as a podcast, to learn to not get ourselves both stressed out of people who tweet about baseball who don't use advanced stats at all. Like they're like, oh, I don't, <laughs> even, I don't even believe in that garbage. I just look at RBI and batting average. You're just like, all right, man, cool, that's great. Or I think that
0: spring training stats matter. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh oh. Don't bring that up. God, he hit, he had two Uh-oh. home runs. He brought hit two home runs off the kid that was in algebra last year.
0: <laughs> yep. Definitely gonna make the team because of that. <laughs> um. Let's 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 get into this past series a little bit here before we get too deep into this. We're already half hour in. Um. Okay. So Monday night, Cleveland loses on that fluke. Weird. I shouldn't say fluke. It was an error on Chang, but um, it, it's still. You could make that throws that throw nine times out of ten. And I don't even know
1: if he's a looked, bad throw. Look, looked pretty accurate to me. Nailed him right in the head. Like I mean, he got. <laughs> I, don't, square, I don't. know he him, if that hits. Him he got, him, he got him. square in the noggin. It's pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm sure that's exactly where he was aiming. Um. So what? You lose that game four to three. Not a great night. Um. Uh, offensively, but you know they've had worse. Then you have the no-hitter – or I'm sorry, you have Bieber on went on Tuesday who – unbelievable, unbelievable night. He got 20 swinging strikes on, on Tuesday night, 20 swinging strikes. His, uh, he threw, what, 46 knuckle curves? That's his insane. His
1: curveball uh, on that night was just insane. Just – oh, my God. I mean, there was times where Clayton Sh- Kershaw was dominant with his curveball from the left side. His knuckle curve just goes straight down. It reminds me so much of, like, a 12-6. But, like, everyone thinks it's a fastball still somehow because his his release point is, like, I was reading a stat. Like, his release point was, like, within, like, a millimeter 99 out of 103 times or whatever that garbage was. Like, he looks like the same pitcher with every single pitch coming at you, and they think it's a fastball, and it ends up being a curveball every time. It's an unreal. He doesn't tip a pitch. Yeah, his
0: release point is absolutely it's almost the same. Almost He's a robot. It's
1: He's actually a robot. He, he,
0: he is. I know he used to call Kluber the Klubot. I think I think Shane Bieber really is a robot. Uh 26, uh forty six curveballs, eleven swings and misses, and eleven call strikes for four strike Strike, And and then the fun thing about that was is uh, in the first three innings, remember Shane Bieber didn't have a strikeout. Uh, he he got the first he got the first uh, eight guys out in a row in the game, and it wasn't until the ninth guy he got out. Or the, I'm sorry, it wasn't the first eight because he had a lot of hit in between then. But um, the first eight batters he retired were not on the strikeout. The ninth guy, the ninth guy he retired to end the third inning was his first strikeout. And then he struck out the next three in a row after that, and the guy winds up with eleven. So he goes <laughs> the first three innings. With one strikeout, then he goes the next six with ten. Uh, I mean, the guy is on on human.
1: He is on un- human. I mean, he, he's probably just getting his arm warm up. I don't know. Maybe he got the vaccine shot like I did, and my arm felt numb, so he's warming it up a little bit. But by the fourth inning, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it was one of those moments where you knew he was throwing a pitch up there, and like the White Sox hitters knew they couldn't touch it like the entire time. Uh I actually unironically ironically enough, thought that was more impressive than the no-hitter, but I'm also biased. So, uh, you know, Shane Bieber didn't hit anybody in that game. So, uh, or, you know, have a couple exit velocities of 110 off of him. But that's nowhere here or there, but it was just unreal how good his curveball was that night.
0: Shane Bieber is just so fun because he's such an adaptable pitcher. Like, you know, last year he – he introduced a cutter like he had a cut fastball last year um, that ended up being a, a pretty solid pitch for him. He said it was key people off his fastball. Uh, he's thrown one this year, one cut fastball. He came in, his, his knuckle curve was like one of the best pitches in baseball by with uh, with rate last year. Like teams could not hit his breaking ball. He threw it all the time. And then in this off season, he said he wanted to work on a kind of slider and his slider was kind of his primary pitch in the minors as far as secondaries go. And it was his best pitch in 2018 as a rookie. And he said he wanted to kind of reincorporate that and get back to having a good slider. In his first two starts, this slider was great. He was leaning on it heavily, and he wasn't as leaning on his curveball. And then, I think after the third inning, when he got his first strikeout, he and Roberto Perez noticed that the White Sox hitters just could not lay off his breaking ball, and they and they just kept swinging at it. And
1: did it he did he, he throw seven in a row at one point for like five swings and misses? I swear I saw that yeah. tweet.
0: He threw, yeah he, that was for me he that was for me thanks for reading uh yeah he threw seven in a row he threw like five I think he threw all three to Yoan know, Mankata one at bat and I think Mankata swung and missed all three like <laughs> he knew it was coming he knew it was coming and he just was doing with it like oh my was,
1: god was,
0: that was a read from Perez and and Bieber noticing that in the, in the middle of the game and moving to that strategy and that's that's the thing I used to think was so fun about Corey Kluber, because Corey Kluber in the minor and er, early on with Jan Gomes, they would always notice, like, if a team didn't respect his fastball or wasn't swinging at it, his sinker or his, his slider, they weren't laying off it, they would change their game plan mid-game and, and just lean heavily on that until the hitter made an adjustment. And that's exactly what Bieber and Perez are doing, and that's that's so fun to me. And that's I know some people said, oh, I'd rather see a slugfest. Like, I would take – I would take Tuesday night's game every day of the week. Like, that was fun, watching Shane Bieber make those adjustments for Roberto Perez, pitch like that. And I'm not going to say – like, it had a bit of a playoff feel to it because it was it was Lucas Giolino versus Shane Bieber, so that was fun. Um, it, was a, it was a matchup you don't really get often in baseball and to have it pan out the way it does. Um, but I will take that game – Every day of the week. That was fun, and that's what I think makes Shane Bieber one of the most fun pitchers in baseball, is not just that he's really freaking good, but the guy just is is so good at making adjustments. And he's only 25 years old.
1: I mean, honestly, the craziest part to me, and I know this gets brought up a little bit, but it doesn't get brought up a ton. He was a walk-on. Yeah. That's insane to become how good he has become. And he didn't walk on to, like, UCLA. I mean, he walked on to UCSB, which is a solid baseball program, but not just churning out talent like some of the other SEC, you know, blue blood baseball teams out there. Like, he walked on to a pretty decently small campus and uh, just worked his absolute butt off. And I
0: want to say, I could have this backwards. Maybe they were looking at Bieber, but um, I want to say it might have been the re- one of the reasons they ended up seeing Bieber was because Cleveland was scouting Kyle Nelson because they were on the same team, and Nelson was the closer.
1: That sounds so right. That I, honestly sounds right.
0: I think I think I want to say because Kyle Nelson – because those two were roommates in college. I don't know what year, Kyle. I think – I want to say Kyle Nelson was drafted a year sooner, but I could be wrong. But um, – I'm just going to look that up real quick just to make sure I'm not – completely stupid for a change or usual no actually okay kyle nelson was kyle nelson was drafted a year later in 2017 so i was very wrong so yeah yeah there you go um, my, my, I, like... I
1: hope he i do really hope he ends up being a career pitcher like an all-time pitcher someday because i did get to see him on my birthday front row when he pitched for the arrows so i always want to bring that up to like rowan when he's 18 and i'm like be that old timer that's like yeah i saw him in the minors
0: <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that is rare because it wasn't like he was the minors really long <laughs> yeah
1: know? it was on my birthday i, too. I, I was I, like hey this guy has the last name bieber that was the first, honestly and i i mean i know most of my minor league players my first thing was hey this guy has the last name bieber
0: and yeah no, nobody had any idea at that time how good he was going to be i don't i don't think i mean i thought shane bieber was going to be good when he came up like i I tweeted in t- 2018. I thought he was going to make his debut, and some people are like, "Well, that doesn't make any sense. Why is he coming up?" And I'm like, "Because he's ready." But yeah. I, I honestly thought, like, I kind of thought we'd be talking like a didn't uh, 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 a Mike a Mike leak or or, or mid like a mid rotation right, guy. right right a, right right.
1: He kind of pitched like a mid rotation guy his first year, didn't? And I, now we're just going down a rabbit hole of Shane Bieber, but didn't he just de- that's fine. Didn't he just destroy? when he was down at Mahoney Valley. I could have swore he was just killing it down there. Uh I think he had like some absurd it might have been a zero ERA if I remember right. I'm trying to remember my minor league stats from five years ago, but I swore he <laughs> I swore he like dominated down like when he first came from getting signed into the minors, like Mahoney Valley. I'm gonna look it up.
0: But I know his- he had he had a point three eight ERA. <laughs> yeah. And I think yeah, he, he walked two batters in 24 innings down there. And then and then in 2017, this is where I first saw him. He put, he pitched in Lake County. He started five games in Lake County and had 31 strikeouts in one walk. And he was promoted to, to Lynchburg after that, where he threw 90 innings. And he had four walks in 90 innings in 2017 at Lynchburg, high A. He had four walks in 90 innings. That's just absurd. Four. And I remember even this, and, and I like I, I know some people don't like Keith Law. I I think Keith Law's fine. He's a good guy. Keith, Wall, Keith Law time. blocked me on Twitter. I know. So you probably didn't see this, but um, I remember when he came up, Keith Law, and and, and he's even he submitted to this, so it's not like he's hiding from it. Like his tweet um, when, when Bieber got called up, he's like, not to throw cold water on, on everything here, but I really don't see this guy as anything more than a a fifth, sixth starter. Like he just is a command guy that that might be good enough to be a fifth starter and he's admitted since he was totally wrong on that multiple times so he's not hiding from it but i just thought it was funny when he was he was never high on his prospect list because he always said beaver was just uh, a command artist that that wouldn't ascend above a fifth starter that just tells you how far beaver
1: has come I think he falls one of the smartest guys that comes to prospects of all time. Just his early Twitter days he used to hide his bad takes, but really be exponentially showing off his good takes all the time. He's like, well, I told you so with his good takes, but he would hide away from his bad takes. It's good to see that he's changed, but I respect, I do still, even if he hasn't blocked me and he hates me, uh, I do respect <laughs> his, I do respect his opinion a lot. I think he knows prospects with the best of them. And I read his stuff every year, even if he thinks I don't, Uh I'm always watching Keith, but, uh,
0: somebody, somebody tweeted Keith law unblocks them. So let's start the campaign. <laughs> I'll,
1: I'll tweet Adam. I, I think I, I think I, I think I subtweeted him in like 2009 because he was hating on Carlos Santana or something or 2011, something like that. And him and I went back and forth in the, in the direct messages and I apologized. And, uh, I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't like me, He blocked me, but that's okay. We all have that one person that's blocked <laughs> us. Uh, well, we've blocked them. Uh, oh,
0: I've had I've had multiple. <laughs> I, it's, I'm it's, I'm blocked totally by multiple from Cleveland.
1: Yeah, that's that's fine. Uh, um, <laughs> no radio stations coming calling to you anytime soon.
0: Yeah, no, same here. Multiple <laughs> of them too, uh, especially not Brown, not Browns writers.
1: Well, uh, we, we know you and your your Browns writing days are over.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's that's yeah. I'm not going to get back into that. Um, okay, I, I wanted to get to this. That was a fun fun little dig into uh, Shane Bieber, and, and I wanted to say that for last. I didn't want to end on a bad note, but we want to end on a bad note. Um, I, and, and, I'm surprised by this. Maybe, maybe I should give people a little more credit. And again, Twitter's not real life, but um, you know, I, I'm on Twitter a lot, for better or for worse, so I kind of try to gauge what's going on and how people are feeling based off that. I will say I, I don't feel like a lot of people really – maybe and maybe it's just people I follow because that's why I follow them. I don't feel like a lot of people stewed on the no-hitter as much as I thought they would because, like, you and I were talking through text the other day, and I was like, who cares if they got no hit? Like, that's – the stat line is not what matters. Is I mean, yeah, Carl Sorbonne, by the way, was absolutely freaking great. Like, there's a good chance, as good as he was, he might have no hit multiple teams that night. The guy was throwing 99 in the ninth inning. He was on one. Right. So let's not, let's, I, mean, I know Cleveland's offense is bad. Let's not take away from how good Carlos Rodon was. That guy pitched his ass off, and he's also a great story. You know, coming back from the shoulder problems and Tommy John and being uh, non tender this offseason. And I even saw a story where other teams wanted to sign him as a reliever. He refused to sign them with them because he said he wasn't a reliever. And the White Sox are the only team that going was going to give him a chance to start again. Um but the no hitter for Cleveland, I don't think it really matters. Like they could have very easily um gotten one or two hits and still looked just it still looked just as bad at the end of the night. Like the no hitter to me says more about how good Carlos Rodon was than how bad Cleveland's offense was because A, we knew they were gonna be a bad offense, and B, getting one or two hits and taking away the no hitter doesn't change that. Like I In the long run, it's, it's it's you know, one of those things, like you said, in the series, it's memorable. It's going to be great for Carlos Rodon to look back on. But if we look back and Cleveland got one hit in that game, I don't think we're going to be looking back in April and being like, wow, remember that game they got one hit in? Wow, their offense was – at least they didn't get no hit. Like, still pretty bad. Doesn't make a difference.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it. like you and I had said before we started podcasting, if they had two hits – and their team batting average went up from like 198 to like 199. It really doesn't change that. It's still a very bad offense.
0: Right. Like in, in the long run, like I said, the no the no hitter is more of a footnote for uh, for a highlight for Carlos Gordon than it is a low light for Cleveland. No because one, they could have easily just gotten
1: No one ever remembers the team that got no hit, anyways. They just remember the pitcher. So that's a good that's a good part of it.
0: That's true. And I'll, I'll say this. I've never actually watched a no-hitter live. Like, I remember I've, I've I've, tuned into games where guys were finishing off a no-hitter. Like, Joe Musgrove was throwing a no-hitter last week. I caught, like, the last two outs. Um, Clayton Kershaw threw his, like, what, five years ago, and I caught the last inning of that one with Vince Scully. That was classic just because it was Vince Scully and Clayton Kershaw. Um, like, I, I don't remember watching Irvin Santana's no-hitter against Cleveland – I forget how many years ago that was. 2012? Like, I, didn't, I don't remember anything about that. i,
1: watched, I just I know it happened. i watched and, that one. But the, that one was even a weird no-hitter, because, like, well, who was that? He had, like, four walks. No, I was, yeah, no, he had more. I think he had five or six walks. I'm not even kidding. I think he had five walks.
0: Who was that yeah, I mean, Was that was, Edwin Jackson? No, that was Urban Santana. Urban
1: Santana. I'm looking at Yeah, it was, looking he
0: was at the Angels at the time. But... Like I, I I've never watched a no hitter start to finish. So that was kinda cool. Like from just from being able to watch that and the guy was pure filth. Like he like I said, he probably would have hit no hit a lot of offenses. Right. Um that night. And the Cubs, you know the Cubs are bad. He could've no hit the Cubs or the Pirates. Like maybe he doesn't no hit like the I don't know, the Angels or the Astros or the White Sox, but you know, his own team, but um guy was still really good. So yeah, I I just don't think like, and and like I said, in the long run, that really ends up being a big deal for Cleveland because whether they got zero hits or one hit, like they're still Indians. The offense is still this, bad. How about
1: this one? The Irvin Santana no hitter. Oh man, they had more. They had more runs than hits. They had a run. That's so right. That's right. They, That's right, they got a sack fly. I there forgot. Air than a stolen base and a ground out. Uh, so if they get the game four <laughs> – the game before, he went four innings and gave up six runs on eight hits, walking three, and he walked five in the no-hitter. So, yeah, it wasn't the best no-hitter of all time. He had one run on an air, and he walked five batters. I think he had, like, 130 pitches. I can't find the pitch count right now. But, yeah, it wasn't that great of a no-hitter. And
0: hey, you want to know what? That, that's a bad one because, like you said, Urban Santana wasn't really great to start before. I didn't realize this, but Carlos Rodon's first start of the year against the Mariners, who don't have a great lineup. It's okay. Um he went five innings, struck out like nine, and I think he gave two hits. The guy's pitched 14 innings and allowed two hits all year. Right. So guys off to a great start. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not which, which, is away cool. from
1: which is which is great. And I I mean, if he's gonna have that continued success because he was the number three overall pick, good for him. He's also stunk the last two years.
0: Yeah, he's been hurt and he's just gone the wrong direction. So he he's obviously healthy and obviously he's changed something because this guy was throwing 92, 93, like two years ago or three years ago. And he was throwing 99 in the ninth inning the other night. So something has changed. He's
1: got that Justin Verlander doctor from the Houston Astros.
0: And by the way, if Carlos Gordon is going to be – I'm not saying obviously he's not going to be no hit every time out, but if this guy is that good again, man, that White Sox rotation is good. You have Giolito, you have Lance Lynn, and you have Dallas Kaifa, who's a solid three. And then if you added Carlos Rodon as being a legit mid-rotation guy now who has, you know, no-hit stuff on some nights, uh, boy, things are going to change for them, and it's going to be tough. I feel like, you know, the White Sox didn't have Tim Anderson in the first three games of the series. Uh, They're not going to have Eloy Jimenez probably all year. But I feel like you're going to see a lot of close games between these two teams all year long. Like, I I know the White Sox offense is better, and their bullpen – is is gonna be nasty and to be honest, I think some of their managing is gonna is that's what's gonna keep them held back. Like I think Tony the has made some weird moves so far this year. But I get the feeling that there's gonna be a lot of close games between the Indians and the White Sox all year. Yeah, it's gonna be I mean, a lot
1: of fun. I'm not gonna lie to you. I've watched a lot of twins games because I have two of them on my fantasy lineup. I still think that in <laughs> for how bad the Indians are on offense, I still think watching that series of White Sox and Indians are the two best teams. In this division. I really do. I know that sounds crazy. I'm kind of a little bit optimistic, but like the pitching rotation is incredible. And we still have Shane Bieber, which is who Shane Bieber is. And like the bullpen is nasty for the first time. in for Avid, like they're actually nasty. It's not like, oh, this guy has swing and miss stuff. Uh, if he throws this exact pitch, like these guys are just throwing fast and hard and they're young. Like, and then they got a Wiley veteran in there, Brian Shaw, who's back up to 96 miles an hour. Like, the bullpen is very nasty, and the Twins' bullpen stinks.
0: Yeah, their they're pitching overall just kind of scares the crap out of me. Like, Michael is supposed to be their, like, third-best starter, right?
1: <laughs> that's where that's where I'm like at. Like uh, they they've been off to. I don't know what's if their you record, look at they like have... the White Sox and all their pitchers that they have. Their bullpen's also nasty, even though they had some struggles early on. And the Indian starter rotation is nasty, and have a really good bullpen. Named the third best pitcher on the Twins roster. Yeah, like just randomly named third, the third best? best pitcher. I mean, you have Jose Barrios is obviously on that list. Kensa
0: Maeda. Trevor, yeah. Trevor May and that no, Trevor May's gone. Um, shoot, who is there? I don't even know who's in their bullpen. Sergio Romo's not even in their – I mean, he wasn't good anyway, but – God, who's in their bullpen? Okay, Taylor, Taylor yeah, Rogers is, is pretty oh, darn good.
1: Taylor Rodgers, um, and he is good. I'm not going to say he's not good. But if he's your third best pitcher compared to what the White Sox and the Indians have, you just don't have the pitching to compete. Like, and they don't – and they don't have the same – they don't have yeah, the same that lineup that they had. It's still good. Nelson Cruz is still hitting bombs and helping my fantasy team. He's also 42 and can't play defense. Yeah, and Byron
0: Buxton seems to have kind of finally put some things together. And uh, they've got – he's always hurt and they just got Josh Donaldson back who hurt himself the first game of the year. So who knows how that's going to go. Yeah. I think you're right. I, 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 picked twins to win the division, but I'm kind of, I'm already kind of regretting that. Cause I kind of thought they had more depth in the white Sox. but I also, I also kind of feel like, like I said, I don't trust Tony Russa as a manager in 2021 and I feel like he's going to hold the white Sox back in some ways because of just how he is. But, um that White Sox bullpen, I can't believe it. like Michael Kopak was coming out of the bullpen that they throw ninety nine, like they still they still have Garrett Crochet, they still have uh even Matt Foster's a good reliever right. and people don't know about him. Like you might be right though. I mean, that was kind of my point too, is this bullpen, you're right, has been it's been better than maybe advertised because of Brian Shaw and Cal Cronshaw we thought was gonna be in the in the rotation to start the year. He had a rough spring and um I don't want to say he lost the job in spring because he didn't, but like Logan Allen was really good this spring and and he both, both Quattro and McKenzie struggled all spring, like with command. Neither of them are throwing a lot of strikes this this spring. And uh, it was kind of, you know, if you don't start one, the other has got to go to the bullpen. They just happened to choose McKenzie. Um, And that's worked out. He's pitched pretty well for the most part, but Everybody in this bullpen, I, I know. Like I said, I know Nick Whitgren has given up. He's got given up four runs, which I didn't. I didn't realize he's given up four runs, but I feel like he's been solid for the most part. Like he pitched well today on Thursday. Oliver Perez just exists, but barely pitches. He's got that guy's just, six batters faced so far, checks. and. and <laughs> yeah, people talk about that all the time. That guy just really is. Yeah, it's just kind of hanging out passing, and being the
1: cashing those checks, just traveling with the team and pitching once a week. That's just like, and the thing is, is one of those checks is like what I make in a year, which is ridiculous.
0: He's he's like their uh, yep. their third string he's, quarterback. He's uh,
1: God, what's his name? He's Chase Daniels. <laughs> Oliver Perez is Chase Daniels. <laughs>
0: Man, that's that's a good that's a good gig if you can get it. Um, but you know he's he's gotten he's faced six batters and he's gotten five of them out. So really can't complain about that. Quantrill has been good out of the bullpen. Like I said, Brian Shaw's been great. Trevor Steffens had a couple hiccups, but I mean you're, the one time he did, you brought him into a game where it was already out of yeah, hand because at least that crafted like that in the first the inning.
1: The and the White Sox are one and two in the AL in Team ERA. Team ERA. And Indiana's Team ERA overall. White Sox
0: 3.1. And that's why I think... And look and look at the bullpen, how close they are. The White Sox bullpen is a 3.05 ERA. which right. is before Thursday's games. Uh, and yeah, Cleveland's exactly, a 3.08. Exactly. So, and, those two pitching staffs are neck and neck. Especially... Good
1: pitching beats good hitting. So, like... It, it, uh, that one year, like the Twins were unre- the Twins were unreal the Twi- in that Bomba squad year, but I still always am in the fact of good pitching will beat good hitting any day of the week.
0: Surprisingly, the Twins full-time actually is ninth in baseball with a three three two ERA, so they're not doing terrible. Despite the fact oh. that we're not really sure the names. But- here's the other good. Here's the other staff that's really good because this to me this is going to matter at the end of the year. Is Cleveland's bullpen so far has the the, um, the fourth least innings pitched so far in the year. The Mets have the least bullpen innings pitched this year. The Nationals are second. The Royals are third. Cleveland's fourth. So their th- ERA is 308. But they've also got just uh, 96 innings. So oh, actually, that's the pitching overall. Let me see. 96 would be a lot so far. So let me go to the relievers. Hang on. I don't know how I screwed that up. I, my stats might have been all wrong. So yeah, Cleveland's bullpen is a two seven six ERA. I lied. The White Sox bullpen actually, um, their bullpen ERA is four oh six, and the Twins bullpen ERA is three six five. So let me go back and look at the innings pitched again because I might have gotten that all wrong. No, Cleveland still third least bullpen innings pitched, thirty two point two innings pitched out of the bullpen. So not only are they not only are they pitching well, you're not relying heavily on the bullpen. The starters are getting deeper and <laughs> deep in the game so far.
1: <laughs> and Open, that's going to be fresh later in the year. Of an inning.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and remember, Logan Allen only went five innings his first two starts. McKenzie piggybacked him the one game, so I wouldn't even count that because that was just one game where McKenzie is not going to be a reliever this year. So <clears throat> you take out, what, four of those innings because of McKenzie? And – you take Like you said, you take one bad outing from Zach Plisak, which, by the way, people are like, oh, Zach Plisak's only good against the Tigers. No. The guy just – he sucked. Like, he admitted it. It was a tough start. Like, he just – he had no command the other night, and he doesn't throw 95, 96. He throws 92, 93 with a good changeup and an average slider. Like, he's got to command the baseball to be a good pitcher. He's not – he's not a power arm. And neither is Shane Bieber. but Shane Bieber's just got ridiculous stuff where – I don't, I don't think the police stack is quite that good, but it was one best. Honestly, I it's don't feel crazy like
1: how good this – I mean, any- we rotate starting pitchers. Like, we pick them off trees, but this current staff, I mean, they're not power arms. They're just not real. I mean, what you would consider a power arm is like some of the other team starting pitchers. Like, who has the best fastball? McKenzie, who's not technically uh, the rotation. He's kind of split in time. Shane Bieber's yeah. 95, right? I mean –
0: He's at yeah, 93. I mean, who's the
1: power arm on the on the team? uh The bullpen is
0: in the rotation. Don't have one? No, there's nobody in that rotation. Like you're right, mckenzie probably has the best fastball in that rotation when it's on. Like, yeah, there are times when his fastball dips to like 91, 92, but it plays up because of its extension. Um, and beaver's throwing like 92 to 94, and maybe 95 when the season gets going, but. Yeah, there's nobody in this rotation. You would be like nobody. Nobody in this rotation has a seventy right. fastball. Like <clears throat> on this scale, I would say, I would say at best, everyone's fastball is like fifty-five or 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 a fifty. So that's not how they get that's by. Honestly, but uh,
1: a quick point. That's a testament to matter. the pitching staff for turning all of these pitchers into what you would technically call a pitcher. They're not throwing; they're pitching. There's a difference between just throwing and pitching. Some guys can get away with just throwing the baseball. They definitely can. These guys are actually pitching. And I was listening to the broadcast the other night, and a lot of the starting pitchers that have left Cleveland said that they owe their career success to the Cleveland pitching staff when they went to other teams. So, I mean, I think it's a revolving door. As long as they keep that same staff, you're just going to continue to see them get the best out of starting pitchers who might have not have had that career success with other teams. Like, would have Logan Allen had a good or a decent career as a starting pitcher if he didn't get traded to Cleveland? Like, let's say he gets traded to, like, Milwaukee. Would he have that same, you know, hypothetical success he might have in Cleveland if he got traded to a team that just kind of threw him out there and said, well, show us what you got, kid?
0: I mean, maybe. He he kind of was called for the, what, to the Padres before he was ready, so <clears> – <throat> We'll see what. Ha- I mean. <clears throat> he could have been good there if he would have been given more time to develop. His slider might be better than his fastball, which is which is kind of funny to me. Speaking of guys who throw hard and and guys who um, have gone on from Cleveland, who they I don't want to say dumped, they moved on from. Uh, the more and more we watch Emmanuel Clase pitch, and I I think I've watched at least part, if not all, of Corey Kluber's starts so far this year. Corey Kluber is like. Having a hard time just ramping the ball to ninety two. Like I think he's topped out at ninety three this year, and he has not looked good. Like his slider, his cutter has been okay. His curveball has not been as good, and he's just not throwing that hard anymore. Which he never needed to throw hard to be good, but man, his command has been rough. With every passing day of those two pitching a game, that trade is going to end up looking great for the Indians. And, And I tweeted this earlier today. I said relievers have. Very short shelf life, especially guys to throw a Class A. Like Class A might end up having like a five or six year run where he's really good and that might be it because guys to throw 100 miles an hour with his body type just don't last that long or they have to kind of reinvent themselves. But if the Indians can get five or six good years out of his arm pitching the way he is, that trade is going to look 100 times out yeah. of 100 look great for the Indians because and not not because Texas got one inning out of Kluber, like they they couldn't hey, predict he was going to hurt. Don't like that. Uh, don't
1: forget we got um, 27 hits from Delino DeShields.
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> you're going to do that to me right now? Come on, I was I was making a really good point, and I had gotten over. We I thought we had gotten past uh, talking about center fielders who don't belong playing on a team, and you had to bring up
1: <laughs> Delano
0: DeShields. Like, just hey, to tomorrow's fight right it. there. There you go. Tomorrow is, for, yeah, tomorrow. And the, the show is coming out at midnight. An hour from now, I'll be playing over the show. That's why we got to wrap this up. But it's just amazing to me. Like, Corey Kluber is having a hard time getting his groove back in New York. And Emmanuel Clase looks like he is going to be a top-notch reliever for the next, like, five or six years with Cleveland. And I know relievers don't have the same value as position players and starting pitchers, but – um, concerning the t- Rangers got one inning out of Corey Kluber, and even if you know what, even if Corey Kluber pitched like fifty innings for them last year, um, and they let him go because he was going to make like twenty million this year if they picked up that option,
1: I'm still doing if that trade went, hundred times out of hundred because four point five ERA, we still win that trade. If he has a really good season and still signs to the Yankees, and then Amano, or I always suck with his first name, Emmanuel Class A has five or six good years in Cleveland. <laughs> guess what? They still won that trade. Yeah,
0: that's uh, – do you remember the outrage yeah. over that trade when it well, happened? shout
1: out to our, our friend our friend Like, David people were pissed. Kane, he was very much on the train. He's like, hey, the wheel's about to fall off on Kluber. You can kind of just see it happening. And he's like, you got to get something out of him now. He was the first guy that I saw on that train. And the Indians saw it too uh, immediately, like, when we were talking about it. And I know when they first made the trade, they're like, oh, relief pitcher and a platoon center fielder, this sucks. Well, that guy throws 102 miles an hour. And it's a and cutter. It's a cutter. And it's a cutter. It's not just a, <laughs>
0: it's not just a straight back
1: ball. Yeah, that,
0: I mean, I think, the, like I said, the more and more days pass, those two pitch, I can't believe Texas gave up that guy for Corey Kluber. And, and even if Corey, like you said, even if Corey Kluber pitches healthy last year and he's okay, I just don't know how you justify giving up a reliever like Posse for what would have been at most one year of Corey Kluber in his age, 35 or 35 season or 34 season. Like in hindsight, I think Texas looks terrible. Yeah, I think there was like a stat
1: that I saw the other day. And I see them and I glimpse at them and I go back to work and forget about them. But I think the Indians pitchers in total threw like 14 pitches from 2007 to 2020 that were like over 99 miles an hour. And apparently like class, did it in an inning.
0: So, yeah, he's, he's blown a lot there. I mean, he's thrown the hardest pitch since uh, Danny Salazar in 2013. Right. And and that's why I'm saying class A is probably not going to be a guy who sets any record for most career appearances as a reliever. Like, you know, there's a very good chance given how Cleveland has used relievers. Uh, in the past several years that in five or six years he's throwing 95 94 miles an hour and uh, his stuff just doesn't have the same bite to it but again if you get five or six years out of that arm like they did to Cody Allen right like they did to Brian Shaw like they did to Andrew Miller you have a good chance of being really good and that's the important thing like you were saying early in the game or early in this podcast that this bullpen has guys that, that throw gas now and, and it's a fun bullpen and. James jack is kind of Andrew Miller and Emmanuel Classe right. is kind of Cody Allen. And uh, if your, if your offense is going to score two or two or three runs a game, and you're going to have a chance to get no hits some nights, uh, your bullpen better be really freaking good. And they have been so far. And I hope that that I, that'll keep them in a lot of games. Like you said, you're, you're a little more optimistic about some things. And I think pitching is going to keep this team in a lot of games, whether it's starters or the bullpens and, and, um, I also wanted to make note, too. This is a fun little thing I saw. I'm going to write about this because I haven't written forever. I'm in mean, kind of like a a writer's block slash funk. Um, in 2019, 2020, Aaron Savali's most thrown pitch was his sinker. He's thrown like two or three sinkers all year. Now he's forcing fastball as his primary pitch. And the guy only throws 91, 92 with it. Um, but it's been one of his better pitches this year and he's totally kind of revamped like the way he attacks hitters and, um, at least from his, from his fastball, he's totally ditched his most used pitch the last two years for a different fastball, that he doesn't even throw hard and it works. And that's just, again, to me, it's more fun. Like he kind of like, I know you're going to hate this, but he kind of reminds me of a a better version of Josh Tomlin,
1: Josh Tomlin throws 83 miles an hour. I was. <laughs> I mean, congrats. <laughs> I mean, Josh Tomlin is the ultimate. I, I was just gonna say he's, he's still the pitching. Ultimate pitcher. He doesn't throw because he can't throw. Like he actually physically can't throw. He is a pitcher, and that's not me like making a slight. He just he can't. Like he's just he's a He's a very much a Jamie Moyer right-handed type. But he can locate. He can. But he can locate. see a, like, a pitcher.
0: Like he is a pitcher. Is he a pitcher yeah,
1: like Justin, Justin Fields, Fields is just get... Justin Fields is a third round <laughs> draft pick at this point, apparently. But uh, that's a that's a that's a rant for another day. Because he... <laughs> um, since we were talking about slow pitchers, and we were just talking about it a second ago, I wanted to bring up: Does anybody ram- remember that random 2019 Danny Salazar start?
0: Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the last one of his career. Like I he I I follow Salazar on Instagram. I think he's. I don't know if he's. Like, if he became a personal trainer or what, he, what he's doing, I feel like he's training to try to come back because I think he's only, like, he might be 31 years old. Let Another me see point how old about Danny Salazar, Danny Salazar is.
1: that I want to give him credit for because I'm not trying to bash him here. People who listen to this, who are mostly Twitter people, need to realize before the injury how good Danny Salazar actually was. Like, that guy was a very good pitcher. I think that get, I.
0: Yeah, he made the All Star team in 20, yeah, 2016 yeah, or 2015. I think people
1: forget after the injury, like, oh man, remember Danny Salazar? It's like the uh, Mark Pryor thing. It turns into a joke. And people forget that these guys, before injury, which is, uh, you know, you can't stop, were a were
0: Grady Sizemore. Grady, Grady size size Sizemore
1: struck more. <laughs> out too much in a leadoff position, but he looked pretty and everyone loved him.
0: No, great. You just made the same point about Danny Salazar that I make about Grady Sizemore, that he was really damn I, I good for the injury. I also
1: agree that Grady Sizemore is a good baseball player. I also don't pretend like if he would have stayed healthy, he was a Hall of Famer because he would strike out 175 times in the leadoff position.
0: He would have been uh, off it. I'm going to die. I've I'm not
1: My dad, rest in peace, that Grady Sizemore is a good, not great player. And we've you know, I think that might have been, been the most heated debate my father and I ever had. So I could do a good 45-minute emergency pod telling you how you're wrong, but I won't.
0: I was going to do that podcast last year during the pandemic, and I didn't get around to it. But I still, I could still do it. Maybe run the All Star break. We'll you and I just don't
1: become fr- We're not friends um, anymore. But you're right, Because yeah.
0: <laughs> we're the, the the Grady Sizemore wars. We the Brian Shaw wars are over because we have the um, we have the Ben Gammon and the Jake Bowers and Bobby Bradley wars. Um, but we can have the Grady Sizemore wars if this we guy obviously. played. But, yeah, Danny Salazar had. Strikeouts. Like in 103 innings 2006. twenty
1: seven war. Are you kidding me? Hall of Famer, my ass. Two point seven a year. What?
0: Okay. Anyway, <laughs> you I'm not get You're not gonna. get, get you do you're, you're not fired. gonna, you're not gonna get me worked together. up for that one. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Uh, it's eleven fifteen at night. We gotta wrap this stuff. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get deep into that. Um, Indians play in Cincinnati this weekend. I cannot wait to see Tyler Naquin hit like three home runs this weekend. Everyone, everybody, freak out about Tyler Naquin being gone and act like he's not going to be this year's version of um,
1: Derek. Yeah, Dietrich. that's exactly what he's going to be. And, I-
0: and And I no no hate on Tyler Naquin. Like I'm like the guy. Okay, before the ACL injury in 2019, he was having a really solid year. Like when he was healthy in Cleveland, he was a a nice player. Like. Him and, him and, and Jordan Luplo were a solid platoon in right field. Like you could get by offensively with like average to above average production some years that they were both doing really well. The guy was hurt a lot and the guy had zero approach at the plate. Like he swung at everything. He couldn't hit a high fastball. Um, if you go and look at his, uh, zones for this year, I have to go look at his home runs because he has, what, five home runs? Let me tell you right now, Spencer, where his home runs have come from, okay? Um, three of his five home runs, Spencer came on a low – yeah, well, It wasn't, low, it wasn't a
1: fastball, i tell you uh, the other, the,
0: Yeah, the other one was a sinker that he hit in Cincinnati that would have been a home run at, like, three other ballparks. And the other one was on a cutter. You're telling was me it wasn't a hours, so. or 96 high? Right, yeah. For whatever reason, he is the, the National League has not found his weakness that has been in his game for years, and maybe they will. I know I, I saw an article the other day that, that it, it talked about the adjustments he has made to his stance, that it's allowing him to um, have better <laughs> does posture. That, does that a hand? I, I don't know what it is, but I, it, you know, at least it's it's an adjustment that Cleveland never made with him. And it's it's a problem for Cleveland because they didn't help Giovanni or Shella make any adjustments when he was here. Yeah. So if he goes out and has success, then yeah, it's going to look wow. like Cleveland. Well, yeah, absolutely. Coaching well, staff well, can't well, help guys make adjustments.
1: I say that I don't think Tyler is going to have sustained success in Cincinnati. I do kind of tend to agree with that for how much success the Indians' coaching staff has with pitching. They have that rule. They have, it's the exact opposite. With it's hitting. the opposite. Um, and I know David had brought that up in our group chat and he brings up a good point. I mean, there are hitters who end up being better hitters or having better talent leaving here than hitting here. And there's not a lot of adjustments made at all. No,
0: I agree a hundred percent like that. That is a problem with Cleveland, but I don't think that what no. Tyler Nakorn is doing, like he's hitting the ball hard and he's had a lot of success early on. Like, it's not like he's getting lucky. I won't say he's getting lucky because everything he's hit the ball well suggests he should be doing what he's doing. Um, but scouting reports definitely suggest in the past that there's a better way to pitch him than naturally pitchers have been pitching him. And um, well, shoot, here you go. Here's your here's your stat. Uh, breaking balls so far this year. Tyler Naquin has no hits in seven at bats against and uh, twenty twenty seven breaking balls he's seen this year. He has zero hits. Uh, he's seen 93 fastballs and he's hitting 278 with a 667 slug against them. So, as soon as Team C can't he hit breaking did. balls, you're going to see more of those. So,
1: every so. time I've seen him strike out, uh, there was, and they pitched him the same way. They ran fastballs high and they threw they spiked the curveball in the dirt and he couldn't lay off of it. So, once they figure that out, he will be the same hitter right. he was before. Unless he's, I mean, unless he's redone everything, maybe he's got more patient, has quicker hands but I don't see it. Like he's 30 something years or is he just 30? He's just 30 years older.
0: Yeah. He's just 30 or he'll be 30. Yeah, he'll be so, 30 later this uh, I don't year. I do see that so. adjustment
1: coming now. I mean, he's probably been the same baseball player for 15 years. No. So, um,
0: no, I mean, like I said, he's, he's made an adjustment with his stance and that might help him, but no, he just has not. And, and what he's facing this weekend. It's, it's Logan Allen. It's, Tristan McKenzie and it's Shane Bieber. All three of those guys have at least one above average breaking ball. Um, and, and I have a
1: weird Bieber I have has two. You don't think
0: that Cleveland's going to load up on breaking
1: ball? Four off Bieber with three Ks, but some weird three run home run.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, I 100%. He's not hitting Logan Allen. I 100% believe it. That's true. He probably won't even play. He probably won't even play. Yeah, I and you know, I just realized our argument's kinda of backwards. I lied. This is totally messed up. Um I just think about what I was saying. I just said that Tyler Naquin's hammering fastballs and he's striking out on breaking balls. Um, usually it's the other way. Usually he hammers breaking balls and he struggles on fastballs. Sample size. Um
1: so oh, it is.
0: Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I just realized there like, was backwards. It's not so it
1: does not change the case at all. He uh, gets blown away by ha- high fastballs. He he actually gets blown away by, like, 91 if it's high because he can't, he can't keep his bat off of it. And then breaking balls in the dirt. You can go watch his whole Cleveland career. He struck out enough and didn't have that high of a walk rate that he couldn't lay off those pitches. I don't see how that's going to change since Cincinnati. Maybe he's getting more barrels on the ball and the exit velocity is a little bit better, but I don't see the numbers going up drastically after, like, 400 at-bats. I mean, if he goes, like... 270 10 home runs 50 rbi's i mean good for him could cleveland use that yes but i mean we had enough we had we had enough we had enough of him in cleveland uh, uh it's kind of the the whole with you know people that we don't want to see anymore right now we we got our we got our share of make when when he was healthy and when he wasn't healthy
0: right he's got so on pitches that are 92 miles an hour and above he has one two, three, four strikeouts, uh, a home run, a double, and a single. So,
1: Very, very,
0: very on. Yeah, we'll see. Cleveland's going to have the plan of attack, so they're going to know what to do with them. But you're right, I'm sure he'll have one game where he hits really well and everyone gets pissed off on Twitter really stupidly. Um, I even read something the other day that suggested that there was no way Naquan even made their roster if Shogo Akiyama didn't do her.
1: He didn't do well. He didn't do well a
0: He was okay. Uh, I'm, I'm really not excited to watch Logan Allen. Mc- and I'm really not excited to watch Tristan McKenzie pitch because like Tristan McKenzie already we have to worry about injuries because of his body type as a pitcher. Now he's going to so hit? He's going to
1: nice. go yard at
0: 130 uh, I, yards. I, 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 and I especially don't want to see Shane Beaver hit because Jesus Christ! I'm plenty. driving, I'm driving start I'm start playing Africa the bat.
1: Cincinnati And fighting.
0: Yeah, I really don't want to watch anybody hit. I, I really hope the Indians just say, go up there and bunt or come swing. Like,
1: but man, shout out it. to uh, no the MLB's rule uh, changes. Oh, wait, those didn't happen and we don't have a universal DH.
0: You know what? I like the Atlantic League is introducing this thing where they're doing. I don't like the they're moving the mound back a, a, a foot, which I kind of hate, but or half a foot. But they're doing it where you get the DH as long as the starters in the game, and you lose the DH when you pull the starter. I'm okay with that because then you can pinch in for the relievers throughout the game. do so fine. Still, I, I'd rather I have would, that than have no I mean, DH I at I would all. rather that than anything
1: else. Just don't make it complicated. Just do it. Just be like, hey, we did a universal DH. Hey, just realize you're a pitcher, and you should have hit better in high school. Like, what do you want me to tell you? Like, you're a pitcher, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. And and Cleveland, number one, like I said, Tristan McKenzie already, like you said, 160 pounds. God only knows what might happen to him swinging a bat. And Cleveland cannot afford to lose Shane Bieber to an injury by swinging a bat. All right. Let's get out of here on this real quick. Let's let's make a short-term prediction. Um, Cleveland now faces Cincinnati, who's off to a good start because of their offense. They have to play Chicago again twice uh, before the end of the month. They come home after Cincinnati plays Chicago in a two-game set. And then they host the Yankees for four, Minnesota for three, and the White Sox for three to end the month of April and begin the month of May. Uh, short-term prediction. Do the Indians make it out of April with a yeah. 500 or better record? Okay. I agree. I think the they'll be at least win 500 win win. by the end For of the month. For some odd reason. Hey, the Yankees had a hard time beating... Was it the Orioles? I forget who they okay. were playing the other day. Was it the Orioles? Yeah, they, they hit the, no, I think the Orioles swept them last week. Yeah, the, I think the Blue, the Blue Jays. Jays swept them. So... Maybe they're not as good. Uh, We'll see what happens with the White Sox and Twins and the the Reds this weekend. Um, That's it for us. It's already been a long one. Thanks for listening if you got this far. Um, Should have done this earlier, but, uh, you know, as usual, follow Spencer on Twitter at SCarlson29. Follow me at jail underscore baseball. Follow official underscore idi for all updates. Uh, We'll have some more writing up soon. I promise minor league baseball starts up next month. We're going to have full coverage from Akron, from Columbus, from Lake County, uh, from Arizona at some point. Uh, we'll get some Indians writing back up again soon. Uh, it's been kind of slow to start the year. That's mostly my fault, but um, please continue to check out the site. We will have more up soon. Spencer, thanks for doing this. Meeting. We will hit everybody up next week with another episode. That was long. <laughs>